This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher with script assistance by John Ruths and is narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Hello and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 73 in which we will be going through section 14 of the 1978 film, Watership Down. A bit of a sound effect special this week as you will hear later. This is the week in which the UK passed 40 degrees centigrade for the first time, that's 104 Fahrenheit. As a Brit living in a nation that uses a mixture of imperial and metric measures, this 40 degree barrier is significant. Those of you living in parts of the world where these temperatures are normal might want to throw your heads back and laugh at this point. We British, and more specifically we English, seem to be one of the few nations on earth unadapted to our own climate. And now that that climate is changing, we are even worse. For the first time in my life, I kept my home cooler by keeping the windows closed. It felt really weird. So then, on to the verdict from last week's trial. This is as of Thursday 21st of July at 0800 Greenwich Mean Time. On the larger Watership Down fans group on Facebook, the votes were five guilty and one not guilty. On the smaller Watership Down fans group, there was one vote for not guilty. On the Warship Down podcast group, there was one vote for not guilty and another in the comments for guilty, though with a plea for leniency. On the Twitter poll, there was one vote for guilty. On the YouTube comments, there was one comment indicating a not guilty verdict from a listener who had not also voted on another poll. And finally, in the Anchor community comments, there was one vote for guilty. Therefore, the final tally is guilty 8, not guilty 4. I therefore declare that the 1978 film has been found guilty of abuse of geography by the listeners of this podcast. I must admit I was surprised by this result, and I will now return to a neutral position on this matter, in the sincere hope that we can heal the divisions between originalists and revisionists, and come together again as a community in our love of this book and the films that it inspired. Divisions that I have deliberately stoked for the sake of this podcast, for which I find myself definitely guilty. So then, let's have a happy episode for once. Section 14. Watership Down. This section covers from 40 minutes 30 to 42 minutes 20, and the equivalent chapter from the book is chapter 18, Watership Down. This section of the film is surely its optimistic heart. After all the horror of the last few minutes, as Holly recalled his terrible journey to Watership Down, we are at last going to arrive at the rabbit's destination. It begins with the first flourish of what must be the most uplifting track from the film, A Lone Trumpet. There is an air of anticipation. Somewhat dissonantly, our first shot from close to the foot of Watership Down features the electricity pylons at its base as the camera zooms out and left to reveal their line. Hazel, Bigwig and Fiverr, 
the trio representing the archetypes of tales of heroism, leader, warrior and sage, arrive at the foot of a pylon and Fiverr says that this is where they need to be as the camera cuts to a shot of the lone tree on the down. And now seemingly we are at the foot of a pylon nearer to the down and see the whole group as they set off across a final field towards the base of the scarp slope. They cross a fence and suddenly they are there. They pause. Hazel, looking up the scarp, checks with Fiverr that he wants them to climb this, to which Fiverr enthusiastically answers, yes. And now the strings of the orchestra really kick in as we get a Hazel's eye view up the steep slope, patches of bare chalk visible among the grass, and then a shot of the group as they set off up the slope together. We see multiple shots of the rabbits running up the slope, with none of the hesitating trauma with which they do so in the book. There is also no discovery of old rabbit holes halfway up the slope discovered by Hawkbit, which provides the rabbits in the book with their initial shelter on the down and probably saves lives. Running through the long downland grasses, we see Holly and Hazel, then Blackberry, Dandelion and Bigwig, then Dandelion and Bigwig again as the going gets a little tougher. The brass music is building again among the strings as we see Holly and Hazel again, then a tired Pipkin who pauses panting before being urged on with a shouted encouragement by Hazel. We see Hazel looking back at Pipkin. Fiverr, also tired, is with him. I think it is Silver passing them, with Holly behind. Having checked Pipkin is on the move again, Hazel continues. Dandelion and Blackberry bound ahead of the rest of the group. With a climactic flourish of brass instruments, the camera pans up the last part of the slope. Ever the practical rabbit, Blackberry continues straight on, but Dandelion, the storyteller, Dandelion, the bard, immediately turns around to see what they have achieved. It is a truly beautiful moment as we see Dandelion's joyful face followed by a pan across the view of the southern English countryside from high up on the down. As the group line up for the most famous shot of them on the down, Practical Blackberry arrives back to report that he has found a burrow under what he describes as a beach hanger, though we have only seen one tree. He says it has a great hall and no sign of death or disease. I'm sorry, what now? They have arrived at the top of this perfect location for a warren to find it already dug for them. And with a great hall. An innovation that in the book they copy from the warren of the snares under the direction of Strawberry, and which is the pride of the new warren dug unusually by buck rabbits. Seriously? And this perfect warren, having been ready dug for them, has apparently just been abandoned, despite there being no signs of death or disease. I'm sorry to be a bit of a party pooper, but this is just isn't credible. Surely there could have been just one shot of digging, or even no reference at all with the new warren just appearing. After all, they are rabbits, and digging warrens is what they do. We would surely have all forgiven that. But this ready-made warren, referred to in a brief line I'd not even taken in before starting this podcast, is just not credible. Some rough scrapes halfway up the hill, as in the book, I can believe. But this? It seems that the tension between originalist and revisionist is back with a vengeance. I was tempted to enter a further charge of abuse of Lapine architecture at this point, but in a spirit of goodwill, I will restrain myself. As Blackberry delivers his <clears throat> news, Pipkin joins them, and the tableau is complete. The first rabbits of the Warren on Warship Down line up. Fiverr, Hazel, Blackberry, Dandelion, Bigwig, Holly, Silver and Pipkin. 
the two small rabbits bookending the perfect symmetry of this picture. As we switch to a shot from behind the rabbits, showing them looking at the view, Dandelion exclaims that Frith on the hills made it all for them. Soberly, Hazel comments that Frith may have made it, but Fiverr found it. It is a moment that slightly takes the mood down, but is also an important acknowledgement of what Fiverr has achieved. For without him, they would all probably be dead. They owe him everything. Comparison with the book Because of Blackberry's fortuitous discovery of the already-made Warren, this section is far more joyous in tone than in the book, where the group arrives at the down tired and still very much in danger. There, the main concern is the lack of shelter, and Hawkbit's discovery of the scrapes halfway up the slope is a genuine stroke of luck. We still get Dandelion's moment of joy as he sees the view from the top of the down for the first time, but it is far more in passing as they get on with the business of survival. Overall, I prefer the film's portrayal of this part of the story, though the book version is probably far more grounded in the reality of such an arrival in a new place. Next time, we meet Kihar, who has an idea. Mm.